It's a big, big edition of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. No burying the lead this time ahead mm-hmm. of the 2021 season. Today, we are going to be joined by Toronto FC President Bill Manning. My name is Mitchell Tierney, editor at WCR. We'll also have a massive week for Canadian soccer ahead on the show. We'll discuss Toronto FC's new kits as well as preparations for the CONCACAF Champions League. My co-host, as always, WCR managing editor Michael Singh is answering his text messages and <laughs> manager jeffrey p nesker guys for so many reasons this week i mean i'm pumped guys it only took us uh 35 tries and we made it to the final boss that's uh that's pretty fantastic <laughs> let's go let's go man i was texting <laughs> mitch this morning when i first woke up i was on i was so tired i could have slept in till like midnight or midnight noon midnight. <laughs> two o'clock yeah, tired tired just is, straight yeah. through. <laughs> um but then i remember i'm like today's today's the big day gents we got we got a pretty special guest on i'm like okay up let's go wide awake let's do this thing wasn't a problem waking up this morning (laughs) (laughs) let's go let's go yeah well obviously you know we'll we'll get to manning pretty soon and and incredibly excited about that but we have a lot of other toronto fc news this week as well i mean they did their first media availability um i think since the the covid19 outbreaks they're back in training and and preparations have started i mean we we finally got news on what preseason is going to look like um over the next couple of weeks as they prepare for that club leon match uh it's exciting we're gonna have soccer to watch and and you know the the club does seem like it has a, a good plan going into this game yeah i mean they're ramping up the intensity i mean speaking to chris armis yesterday he was adamant about the fact that now it's just about getting the phys- them physically ready for that April 7th game. Of course, Club Leon is in the middle of their season, so TFC have to sort of ramp it up, make sure they, they go in there as, as fit as possible to keep up with, with what Leon can do. Um, he mentioned taking it in intervals, which is why they have a sort of uh, a condensed preseason schedule, let's call it. Um, I do not expect TFC to run out their, their first team in all of those games obviously for obvious reasons um but i am excited to see them back take the pitch eventually and hopefully like we're still waiting word on this but hopefully those games could be broadcasted here in toronto that was my next question i i know it hasn't been confirmed yet but that would be that would be pretty sick if we got to watch some preseason footy action i do miss those really 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 dodgy 320p videos for the for the preseason games where you could <laughs> your visibility was like less than a foot in front of you it was like flying a plane on a bombing mission it was fantastic i loved it of course yeah tfc uh they traveled tomorrow to down to orlando um and then i think their first preseason game from then is, is march 27th um that'll be against uh, inter miami's usl side so that'll be an interesting game see who tfc runs out for that one um but yeah i mean they're gonna get get going here tomorrow so the sooner that they get there that means the sooner we get to watch some tfc footy I remember one time they played, I want to say it was DC United in a preseason game and it was on Periscope and it was just so foggy there and you couldn't see, you could see like a quarter of the field. It was pretty hilarious. Like it was like, you know, even, (laughs) even the hardcores were like, I don't know if this is really worth watching. This is a pretty uh, tough game, but no, I think this is one of the, we'll, we'll talk to Bill Manning about this a little bit later, but I think this is one of the benefits of having Florida as your main home base right now is you know yeah. what they can do here in preseason there, there isn't obviously nearly as much travel as there would be normally um down to mexico and they can have a game like inter miami in between the two legs where they're not having to travel at all to to get that game in and they're not having to worry about that so 
uh, right there is one of the one of the early benefits, uh, and it comes in their preseason preparations. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have any questions about the streams you guys want to know <laughs> if it's happening make sure that you guys take the time and reach out oh there well, we go yeah yeah, yeah. It's just itchy make sure you finger. guys take the time reach out to eric g because he has all of the answers um you guys can can find him on twitter just slide into his dms i'm sure he'll be happy to answer that for you yeah not at all <laughs> well, let's, let's yeah, move guys, on let's with leave, leave eric g alone yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That guy's had quite the quite the preseason, that's for sure. Between all the stuff that uh, has happened with Toronto FC, but um, let's let's move on to uh, talking a little bit about the the other updates we got from um, that press conference. Michael, you you were there. What were you know some of the things that, that stood out to you? Yeah, um, Armas actually gave us quite a bit of information, and I guess we'll start with uh, what I was my sort of biggest takeaway and. Um, and we'll call it the Michael Singh injury report. Let's get started early here. Yeah, the and Michael. It has to be the Michael Singh injury report. Let's do yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's Io Akinola and his status. Um, obviously, you know, since January, that was sort of up in the air after he missed the Canadian men's national team camp. We're not really sure what, what happened with him. And Armas gave us the indication that Io Akinola would be returning to training sometime mid March, and that has happened. So Io Akinola <laughs> is back in training. Um, Armis said that he, he's he looks like he has a he has a smile on his face. He's he's a leader for some of the young guys, but unfortunately, you know, with the first like two and a half weeks away, Iowa Canola will not likely not be available for for that fixture, according to Chris Armis. Um, they emphasize that it's big picture for for twenty one year old Iowa Canola. There's no need to rush him out here in the first game of the season, and they'll revisit, see how he is, perhaps for the second leg and. I'm assuming he'll play some sort of role in that April 17th MLS uh, season opener. So that's sort of the the one, I guess, sort of down news. But in a way, it's positive because we are getting Akinola back. Um, and another major sort of takeaway from yesterday's press conference was uh, Chris Armas talking about Michael Bradley again. Uh, shout out to John Molinaro, who asked a great follow-up question because Armas sort of touched on this in the past about how Bradley's going to be taken on a different role this season for Toronto FC, um, and he elaborated on that. He said that to be one of the best sixes in the world, which he believes Michael Bradley is, you have to be able to sort of do it all. And that means contributing in the offensive third. That means, you know, he, he said that Michael Bradley covers the most ground on TFC. He said that he could be the fittest player on TFC. So instead of having Michael Bradley solely operate as a defensive midfielder, we're now going to see him likely push up a little bit more in the field, get engaged a little bit more, win more tackles, um, hopefully see a bit of Bradley that we saw in the past. And I know Mitch in the past, you've talked about the way he played with the U.S. men's national team in that sort of higher role. Even Bradley mentioned that himself in, in the press conference yesterday where he said he was excited to take on this role. And one of the lines that sort of stood out to me from Chris Armas speaking about Michael Bradley was, he said that when you see Michael Bradley do all the stuff that he does, the tackles, the everything in the midfield, but then you see him in the offensive third link up with Pozuelo, Altador, and then you see him chip a goalkeeper. You think, why can't Michael Bradley be doing this more? <laughs> and that's sort of what Chris Armis's is, vision is here with Michael Bradley, and that's to have him again play higher up, up on the field and just get more involved. So I'm super excited to see what sort of role Michael Bradley plays at Toronto FC next season. I think it'll be a little bit different than what we're used to. We've all seen the the Bradley chip at the Azteca from like 45. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe my second favorite goal of all time. So if we get 
If we get one of those, then it's been a <laughs> successful experiment. Yeah, because he's still emphasizing the defensive part of the game. I think for Michael Bradley, that'll never leave. It's just more so what more can we get out of Bradley? And obviously, he's had a full preseason under his belt. That was different from last season, where he obviously battled that significant, uh, I guess, ankle injury. And that kept him out for about four months. So, hey, we're, maybe we'll see a reinvigorating Michael Bradley in, in 2021. Yeah, you talked about the the goal at the Azteca. There was a video that was going around Twitter recently of like all the goals Michael Bradley scored for the U.S. men's national team, and there, there was some absolute screamers in there, some incredible <laughs> goals. So you know, I kind of it kind of made me think, why can't he do this for Toronto FC? And I mean, part part of that is because you know, as Michael mentioned, that hasn't been his role over the years. He's been counted on as a guy who's you know breaking up attacks, not really at least from the front creating them, or at least not being the the final piece in in those attacks. So. It'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll see with a, a number of different things. There's so many questions going into the season, but that is obviously one of them is is what Michael Bradley looks like in his new role. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that frees up a little bit more playing time behind Michael Bradley for the mm-hmm. likes of a Noble Okello, a Liam Frazier, who have obviously been been dying there for, for playing time. And you can even throw Ralph Preso into that mix and that congested midfield. So, hey, I'm... Um, um, intrigued by all of this i want to see it play out first but it sounds promising at the very least well you think it has to as well because you know the likes of jonathan osorio are probably going to be gone with canada um this summer in in some capacity whether that be the gold cup or whether that be uh world cup qualifying as well so that one of those young guys is going to get an opportunity here in the midfield and michael bradley being moved into a, a new spot kind of as you said creates that as well I've been waiting to drop the oh so oh no didn't we just find out like 20 minutes ago that he picked up a knock in training and he's not on the world cup qualifying roster yeah uh Jonathan is I don't I don't know if it was a, a knock or not I'm not sure what the exact diagnosis is for Jonathan Osorio's absence at this Canadian men's national team camp uh mm-hmm. for the world cup qualifying uh but as Mitch said I do accept expect him to play a role later on this summer for that national team. He's too important of a player not to be involved in that. Uh, we just wish that was all the best and hope all as well. I'm sure TFC are just sort of, I mean, they mentioned this earlier in, in the off season that when releasing some of their players to Canada camp, they're going to be really cautious with it because they do have this condensed schedule coming up and, you know, a few of their players have picked up knocks. Perhaps Osorio does fall under that, that, uh, I guess, sort of umbrella. Yeah, category, yeah. umbrella, whatever word you want to use there. Um, but I, it's nothing serious. As Armis said, he um, every Toronto FC player except Subasa Endo, Io Akadola, and Achara will likely be available for that April 7th uh, CONCACAF Champions League match. Sweet. There you go. That's that's obviously good news for Toronto FC considering you know that wasn't the case all that often last season and maybe even the last few seasons. So having guys healthy going in, I mean, they've had some time here to... Um, you know, to sit on the sidelines, but obviously with the COVID scare and everything else, uh, it's good to hear things look like they're finally back um, in terms of health-wise. Let's talk about the kits, guys, because it's the, probably the last big piece of Toronto FC news this week. They dropped their new 2021 home kit. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you take it away. This is this is your thing. You've been itching to talk about the, <laughs> this on on the show for a while. Every time we uh, we go anywhere well, near kits, we'll, you're all over it. We'll, so it's all you. We'll talk about it in more detail when we do our our special kit breakdown episode, which is certainly in the mail. Uh, I'll say this: uh, 
one of our one of our uh, more active members on the community uh, pointed out, and I'll bring up the picture again. Pointed out the absence of of a finished caller that we only get about seventy five percent of a caller in this one, and now it's all I can see when I look at the kit. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a kit. I I mean I really like it. I really really like it. It, it reminds me a lot of the uh, the goalkeeper stripe that Alex Bono uh, wore. Uh, what was it? The twenty eighteen season, the fir the first TFC kit that ever had a star on it. So there's a mm -hmm. certain. Uh, there's a certain uh, 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 recency bias, but uh, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I gave it an A, so I obviously like it a little bit. <laughs> hey, I think we have to give some credit though to TFC and their their social media team. Yeah, um, for the way they they played out that Josie Altsor incident, that was all time, <laughs> all time. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. There, I mean, I think Eric G tweeted out, "That's how you steer into the skid." That's exactly how you steer into the skid. If, yeah, you oh, know, no. Josie leaked that that kid. I think. If anything, TFC has spun around in such a positive way that it added to the overall uh, kit drop. So great job by their social media team and their their PR department because that's not easy all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's been some funny uh, there's been some funny kit leaks over the year. I remember one year um, they just I think it was MLS or something. They gave everyone the the headshots for all the players and all the TFC guys and a couple yeah. other clubs as well. We're just wearing their new kits and we're like, ah, so. <laughs> Are these the new uh, <laughs> these the new shirts and then of course those are all over social media and they yep. didn't really get the the kit announcement they would have hoped so you know in today's day and age with all the phones and all the social media obviously it gets tougher and tougher to uh to keep these things under wraps they did a, a decent job but uh you know I, I think they did a decent job as you said of, of recovering it once uh <laughs> once things did inevitably get out there hey Josie does it for the fans Josie mm -hmm. does it for the fans yeah, I guess uh, while while we're waiting on Bill here, um, Jeff, you got any other kits uh, from around the league that that really stood out to you this year in terms of? Uh... Guys, I'm not I'm not spilling the beans. Uh, uh, we got a whole episode <laughs> planned for this with a special guest. Uh, you know, let's talk uh, Olympic roster. I sort of I sort of hit on it um, with the World with Cup the Oso Ono. World Cup qualifying roster. So yeah, it, it does uh, get confusing between the two. I wonder if we should hit that afterwards because I think this will be a. A larger discussion though um so let's go let's go michael back to you uh anything mm -hmm. else from from that uh that armist discussion um i think a lot of the discussion was based around club leon and sort of how they're gonna approach that match and my biggest i guess biggest takeaway from that sort of segment of what he was saying was that tfc are going to try and you know compete here for the concaf champions and that's that's one of their main objectives and obviously in, at the beginning of the season when it's TFC are kind of going in their cold to Club Lyon who are in the middle of their season, it's not, it's not, it's always, I mean, how many TFC fans are expecting TFC to sort of advance past that first round? I think they have a little bit of an expectation here from the fan base, at least that, um, you know, if they do get bounced in that first round, then things will be okay. Um, but that being said, by just hearing Armas, they want to go for it. And I believe that we'll see a strong starting 11 there for that first leg. And depending on th how things go, I think we'll see a strong starting 11 for that second leg. Uh, Michael Bradley is all up for it. He's excited. I mean, you know how these matches go down between uh, the TFC and the Mexican side. They're always <laughs> entertaining. And, you know, TFC have done it before. Like they, they've, mm -hmm. Most of their squad, they've been there. 
And I'm excited to see Michael Bradley just back into the, the heart of things, back into the mix of things. And who better of a leader to, to lead TFC into, into Mexico than, than Michael Bradley? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm worried a little bit, you know, because our, our shining example of, of CONCACAF glory was achieved based on a decision to go and prepare in Mexico for an extended period of time. And I know we're getting the heat factor down by, by preparing in, in Florida, but certainly not the altitude factor. And uh, I got to say, you know, part of the reason that I, I think Canada, uh, the, the under 23 struggled so mightily last night was the altitude. Uh, I could see it having an effect on them. So, so, you know, I can also, you know, it's not a far stretch to say that, that TFC can prepare all they want, but that altitude is the, you know, is the, the silent killer, so to speak. And, and uh, that'll be a difficult thing to, to overcome. That's a really great shout, Jeff. And what's wild is is that Michael Bradley pointed that out um, in his press conference yesterday. So you can tell that these guys know all about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the the you know, there's so many factors in Concacaf. We saw that as well last night for the Olympic uh, Olympic team. There's so many things that Toronto is going to have to deal with, and and altitude, obviously, just one of them. But I think we have Bill Manning here, um, so we'll get to him whenever he's ready to come on. Very excited uh, for this conversation. Um, just getting, you know, some updates on, on the club itself. Now joined by Bill Manning himself, president <laughs> of Toronto FC, as well as the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Bill, thank you so much for taking time. Thanks, thank Bill. You, thank you, guys. Pleasure to be on the show. Pleasure to have you. Wow. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. exciting. <laughs> and massive uh, congratulations from all of us on the new contract with uh, Toronto FC and, and MLSC as well. Um, what does that opportunity to lead the team mean to you, you know, for the next half decade and, and, you know, build on what you've accomplished with the club so far? You know, it's really important to me, um, you know, as I continue to try to, um, you know, have a successful run here in MLS, you know, as I was at RSL for a long time. And when I came here, you know, Toronto FC, it wasn't looked at like it's looked at today. And, um, you know, we were able to build a, a franchise that is, you know, amongst the top franchises in, in MLS in North America. And, and now my goal is over the next five years, as we transition from kind of that, that championship group, can we continue to have sustained, sustained success? You know, I remember when I, when I actually worked in the NFL, you know, the team president of the Eagles at the time was a guy named Joe Banner. And I remember him telling me they had gone to four conference championships in a row. And he's saying that the easy part's getting to the top, the hard part's staying there. And so, mm. you know, a goal for me now is to, is to have sustained success while you go through transition and how you replace players and how you, you guys know, I believe in continuity, how you keep a core group of players like we did at RSL, like we've done here at Toronto FC, sprinkle in new players, you know, you're going to lose front office staff, as we've seen. You know, there's going to be some turnover. You know, assistant coaches like Robin Frazier will leave, and so on. How do you replace them, and how do you continue to have success? For me, that's my motivation these next five years is to have continued success with this franchise and continue to fill that trophy case. And I'm I'm still chasing that CCL trophy. I've I've, I've lost twice in the finals with two different teams, and. For me, that's if you ask me what one trophy I want to win, that's the trophy. Nice, nice. We that's agree. Music, music yeah. to our ears, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> here, here at Wake and Nerd Weekly, we love talking about the Young Guns Bill, and you know we've read the, the interest that has has come through with Jaquil Marsharudi. We've heard Chris Armas talk about. It. We've heard Ali Curtis talk about it. How real is that interest with with that, some of your Young Guns? And from where you first started back in 2015, are you receiving more phone calls nowadays than you were back then? We are. Um, the one thing I would say is don't believe all the rumors. Um, <laughs> you know, especially nowadays, agents have a way of putting things out there that, that maybe aren't real, um, but mm. it's to actually generate interest in their players. And so right. we are, are, are very, um, you know, conservative about, about promoting our young players and putting too much pressure on them. Um, you know, that does happen. There is a, you know, a slew of players in MLS that were, you know, the next Messies and all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, they're, they're down the pecking order. So we, right. we want to manage these young careers uh, appropriately. I think how Vancouver managed Alfonso Davies, where they, they had him play, you know, a year to two up in the Academy. Then they moved them to the USL where he had success. Then they brought him into Vancouver. I thought that was a, a model way. Tyler Adams as well in New York. So, you know, one of the reasons we've, we've opted not to bring in a lot of new players is because we actually have a lot of faith in our young players and we think some of them are going to have breakouts. And so rather than going out like we've done in the past and getting a, you know, kind of an MLS experienced player um, or someone that can, that can plug in like even an international, we're going to be looking to Jaden and Ralph and, and Noble and, and, and Julian and these guys to step in because now is the time, you know, we have a young guy in Jordan Peruzza who's very under the radar. Who's another one we're really high on. Um, and obviously I'm not going to um, applaud Jaquil too much because he's still 16 years old, but <laughs> that kid's ceiling is, is higher than any player I've been involved with. And I've, you know, at RSL, we, you know, we built, you know, Brooks Lennon, Fido Avale, uh, Sebastian Sosito, Justin Glad. Corey Baird, they all came from our, our academy in Arizona. So, you know, I, I've seen young talent. This kid is as talented as a young player I've seen. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Love yeah. to hear it. <laughs> so you kind of answered my question already. So I'll, I guess I'll give you a choice here. <laughs> Wait, uh, what, what question was that? <laughs> well, my question is uh, some TFC fans are, for a lack of a better word, Concerned that the club hasn't made any new signings this offseason. And what would your response to them be? Yeah, you, Do you want you, it? You heard it. I mean, that's. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we actually don't believe we, we had to make a lot of acquisitions. You know, we, we, it was very important to us to re renew contracts. Um, you know, Marky Delgado, Richie Luria, we locked up. Um, and, and seeing this, this young talent emerging, um, you know, when we talked about it, it was like, why would we bring someone else in who's going to limit the minutes of a Jaden Nelson or a Ralph Preso? And so we're, we're encouraged by what we see around the league as well. You're seeing some young kids, you know, perform, you know, in Philadelphia and Dallas. And, and that gives us, you know, encouragement because we believe we have as good a young talent as anyone. Um, you know, Jaquil, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know, we, the last season of the USSDA, we won the UF, U15 national championship mm -hmm. and Jaquil was mm -hmm. on that team, um, had two assists and, and, you know, 
this is a, a group of players coming up we're really excited about. And so that was the reason is that we had a lot of faith in, in the talent already on the roster. Um, and we think we have a good blend of veterans because um, you, no team has ever won with all young players. You know, you right. need veterans, you need stars. Um, but then when, when you have some emerging talent, you do have to find them minutes. And uh, I think this year will be a year you do see some of these kids emerge. Love it. Love it. Uh, let me let me follow it up quickly because we are we are seeing a lot of uh, comments about a certain Rafael Santos Bore on the on the <laughs> chat, and uh, I just wanted to ask you for a little inside scoop. It must be insanely difficult, but just how difficult is it to recruit players during this pandemic? Oh, it, it's been brutal to tell you the truth. Um, you know, we we are very targeted in our designated player approach. You know, last year. Um, I think Pablo Piatti served his purpose. He was, a, he was an excellent player for us. Um, he plugged a gap that we needed. He fit in very well with the team. Um, but when we looked at what we really needed is we needed a bit more goal production. Um, and, and Pablo um, gave us so much, but you know he, he still had an opportunity to go play in Spain um, and, and we wish him well, but we are very targeted in the type player we want. And we're not going to rush into a move. Um, it's been difficult, though, because you can't, you know, we in the past have brought players to see our training ground. We brought them to Toronto. Um, they get an opportunity to see what we're all about. We visit them. We go. We meet mm -hmm. them in person. We, we, you know, we meet sometimes with the club. And, and, and you can't do that now um, where we are. And that's actually been the most difficult thing is we haven't been able to see these players live Um you know, you learn a lot about someone when you break bread, bread with them and, and you get to know them a bit, and you know, their family. And um, that's been difficult. And so it, it has been, you know, we've been leery to pull the trigger uh, mm. in certain cases because we just don't have enough information. And right. we, we want to make sure, you know, if, when you're going to spend millions of dollars and in some cases, tens of billions of dollars, um, you know, that's a heavy decision. And yeah. We want to make sure it's right. Um, you know, the good thing right now is that our window is extended. We have time. Um, we're able to see more um, action and, and, and more games. Um, and then there's a secondary window uh, not long after, um, whereas, you know, you know, Nico Ladero came in, in, in the summer window and, and, you know, good players have come into this league in that summer window. So we, we, we're not going to rush ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to make sure we make the right designated player signing. We do think it needs to be an attacking player that can really put us on the scoreboard. You know, um, one of our communications guys had, had done a, an analysis. And since July 1st of 2019, we actually have the most points per game um, in the league. And Sweet. we feel really good about the roster. But what happened at the end of last season was, you know, when you need that big goal, like we've seen in the past with Sebastian and, and, and Josie, um, you know, against Nashville, we weren't able to get that goal. And that's um, why we need that player like, a, you know, a Raul Rui Diaz, you know, a Josef Martinez, guys like that who, who are difference makers. You know, we've seen Alejandro as a difference maker. You know, I'm really excited that the big guy is going to be back. He's healthy. He's motivated. Because you, you you know what he can do, um, mm -hmm. especially when we when we played you know Columbus and Philadelphia, having him on the field and what a difference he makes. Um, mm -hmm. So we're 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 targeted, but it has been I'm not lying, it's been extremely difficult not to 
be live and be able to to get to know a player who you're going to bring into the team. Right. Yeah. I, just one last quick follow up because you know we hear a lot about how the the transfer market is a bit soft because of the pandemic and you know has that has that sort of uh, been an opposing factor, like the temptation to kind of buy cheap because you may be able to get a player at a deep discount, or that doesn't even enter into your line of thinking. You know, we've seen a little bit of a mix. You know, some clubs still want big money, and 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 mm-hmm. and in some ways, I think they're overvaluing players. Um, hmm. The market clearly is in flux. Um, right, you know, teams are. Are, are struggling uh, financially, both in Europe, both in South America. You know, here in MLS, um, it's been difficult. Um, we, you know, and thank God for our ownership, you know, we will continue to invest uh, in, in a designated player. Um, but like anything, like when we went and got Alejandro, um, Pablo, you know, we, we don't want to waste money. And we want to make sure if we're going to spend money, it's, it's, it's well invested in, and, the thing we've talked about is, you know, Pablo fit perfectly for our need last year, but we're really looking to have um, a bit more of a long-term uh, solution here that that can can help you know build this team over the next three or four years. It's not to say we wouldn't do another short-term deal if the right player presented himself, um, but but our intention is to lock in a designated player that can help us win another championship over the you know next two, three, four years. Another byproduct of this pandemic, of course, is the fact that I believe tomorrow you guys are headed down to Orlando and are going to set up base there. Um, what, what went into that decision to choose Orlando and what are some of the advantages perhaps of, of going there? I think the weather, for one, um, you know, it's, it's been a long winter. Uh, it's been cold. And, and we're very familiar with the facility we're going to be staying at, the Omni. There, there's uh, soccer fields right on the, the complex there. Um, we have, um, because we've committed so many rooms, we actually have, there. there's a apartment-style um, hotel area where it's private, where we're going to be staying. We have our own restaurant. Um, but it's, you know... It's open. Florida is, you know, at one point Florida was amongst the worst states and now it's amongst the best and the economy is doing really well there. And, and um, so it, it, it's going to be a good change of pace for us. Um, the weather will be welcome and we get to get some really good training sessions in uh, on a good field. Um, Exploria Stadium is, is an excellent stadium and we're actually going to be playing our, our CCL match at Osceola Heritage Park, which is where Orlando City B played, um, which is a it's an old baseball stadium that is renovated into a soccer stadium. It's pretty, oh. pretty cool little venue that'll that, that'll be there for us. So we're nice. uh, we're excited to go down to Florida um, and, and we're encouraged that it won't be as long of a trip as as we had to do in Hartford um, with with how things are coming along. Yeah, Bill, just as, as you're saying there, um, is, do you think it's more likely now, could you say it's more likely now that we perhaps uh, see Toronto FC return back to Canada um, maybe sometimes this summer than it was maybe a few few months ago? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, what we're start, starting to see is that the health officials, the government officials are um, trying to find solutions and they're understanding that, that, 
the sports world is a big part of the community. And, you know, certainly health is always a top priority. But as the vaccine is getting rolled out, as we've learned so much about, you know, who this um, virus really infects, um, I, I think there is um, there's an appetite to find solutions for us, for the Blue Jays, you know, for the Argonauts. Um, less so the Argonauts because they play within Canada. Mm-hmm. Us and the Blue Jays, the Raptors and the Leafs, all playing U.S.-based teams is 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 really what um, a challenge has been in the past. But the vaccine has been tremendously successful rollout so far in the U.S. Um, and you know we get tested every other day. We're on top of things, and so we're hoping that it'll be um, you know in the summer and and hopefully early summer where we can be back here playing games. Fantastic. Awesome. Phil, you're making a <laughs> smile today. <laughs> um, okay, I gotta ask, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask my contractually obligated question. Uh, contractually 2015, obligated. 2015 to now, Bill. What? Uh, oh, I just called you Bill and it felt weird. I think I'm gonna call you Mr. Manning. No. All right, Bill, I'm getting yes. goosebumps, but um, what is your all time favorite TFC kit? So TFC, you know, in the early years, we actually, um, we did that, that kit as a little bit of a nod to the Toronto Metros Croatia. Um, it was the, 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 it was kind of red, white, and blue. It was white with blue, blue, and a little red in the 2016, 17 seasons. The The away kit. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had, when I got here, one of the first guys I met was a guy named Bob Arugi, who was, a you know, one of the top all-time Canadian players of all time. And he had played for that Toronto Metro's Croatia team, reminded us that they actually won the NASL trophy in 1976. And so there's, you know, six or seven of those guys still living here in Toronto and a big part of the community. And so we had an opportunity to kind of give them a little bit of a nod. And that jersey and, and that outfit is actually very similar to – that kid is very similar to what they wore in the 76 season. So that was a fun – that was a fun uniform design. Um, the home From a home standpoint, mm-hmm. I, I really am excited about this year's kit. I think we – you know – our design team, you know, had some fun with it, I think, you know, um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's a little dangerous when you go outside the box. And I think we, we creatively went outside the box this year. So I'm pretty excited about the New Jersey. Sweet. That's, that's hilarious. Both you and Justin Moore, the only two people that I've asked have both put that kit first. And we knew nothing about it. We saw the blue and immediately we were like, oh, Montreal Impact Colors, what the hell? Now, I'm, I'm scared to ask this one. What was your least favorite kit? Oh, man. Um, Putting you on the spot here, Bill. <laughs> yeah. So it's crazy. You know, a lot of people probably didn't love the all red, um, but I like that. I, I, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of a, where we are, we are the reds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I actually didn't love the jersey. Um, I think it was sixteen and seventeen when we won the championship. But <laughs> oh, that jersey forever will live in my heart. Right? For sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. The image of Victor Vasquez lifting up his jersey. Yeah. You know, Incredible. That jersey yeah. will always live in my heart. So I don't get caught too caught up in the in the jerseys. Um, 
you know, we have a design team that you, you, you'd be amazed. They get into like every little detail and, and doesn't surprise me. I, yeah, I think I know me, that. You know, <laughs> I test and, and as long as our guys are fine wearing it and for the most mm -hmm. part, they they'll take as long as it feels good and, and, and it's light. Um, so I don't really, I'm not a hater really of any of the jerseys. <laughs> uh, the Very diplomatic. Jersey, yeah, that one grew on me when we won. That's a great oh, PR yeah. answer, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Answer. Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Bill. We really appreciate your time today. Sure. Bill. No, thanks. Like, that was My easy. goodness. It wasn't too bad, eh, Bill? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. we took it a little bit easy on you today. Perhaps next time we'll go a little bit harder. Yes, yes. No, Thank you so much. Uh, from the, the, Don't believe all the rumors, you know. And mm. uh, um, we, I, I do believe, you know, when we do make this acquisition and when we do get started some, seeing some of these young players emerge, people will get a bit more comfortable with the strategy here. Mm. Yeah. Right, we're yeah. looking forward to it, Bill. And uh, right. safe travels to you and, and maybe even the family if you guys go down to Florida. And best of luck uh, with everything moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Right. Best Thanks of luck you. towards a great season. All right, guys. Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, Bill. Awesome. Well, that was great. A lot of updates <laughs> there from Bill Manning. <laughs> I think we uh, I think we even broke some news there about Tr where Toronto FC is going to be playing their CONCACAF Champions League game. So. Nice, you know. nice. Did I, you guys I hear have... tens of millions? I'm sorry, did you guys hear that line? Tens yeah. of millions? <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, talk to us. I love it. You know, we, we'd be remiss to not mention just how many comments we got about a question that I don't think we were prepared to ask him, which is for uh, safe standing at BMO. Okay. Um, what, know, I will just... say, what I will say, Jeff, is that's a story I will look into for okay all, all, all of the tfc fans there that we're asking yeah that. i just uh, i just keeping, i just think yeah. it's a little it's a little you know let's let's get back into the stadium before we start thinking <laughs> about renovating that, yeah. it, right you know and yeah. i kept there was a point where i where i kept uh you know i i lost my focus a little bit because i was like how am i going to slam this safe standing and everybody's asking about <laughs> safe standing i don't want to disappoint our fans but uh i just couldn't i could not i could not find a way into that without just being a complete non sequitur. So, so I, I will take this opportunity to apologize to everyone that wanted us to ask that question because we sure like to, but, uh, you know, keep, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Mike Singh is on the case. You will have an article that will answer all of those questions for you. So I, I will, you know. I will get that answer. And, um, I'm excited to see what's other renovation they sort of do to BMO field as they prepare for that 2026 world cup. Well, um, I wrote an article because I interviewed uh, groundskeeper uh, Rob Heggie, uh, nice. what, what, like the first year I worked at WTR, and, and he outlined that all of that um, uh, rigmarole around the pitch has to go, right? And you would also have to extend the pitch by a certain amount of uh, space the on both sides. Uh, I just, I just think you have to push <laughs> back every. Yeah, no, the tunnel club, the tunnel club's gone, man. FIFA, FIFA said so. FIFA, FIFA hates tunnel club. Uh, but no, it was, it was generally just an expansion of the field, and you can't, you have to have more room for the FIFA officials and all of their friends. So it was about extending that uh, sort of um, uh, uh, the touchline, uh, the the area beyond the touchline, and um, I mean, you know, uh, when the Argos play, one of the end zones is concrete, right? Like that whole north end becomes an end zone, and then it's just mm -hmm. sort of pasted over with with uh, with astroturf. Uh, you can't do that with FIFA, so they would have to they would have to invest in more uh, cis grass and basically mm -hmm. 
outline that anyway. all those extra areas yeah, <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. you asked enough, enough pitch talk because like yeah. we're not even there yet so yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. get there um yeah. and i wanted to talk about like what bill was saying and i thought mm -hmm. he was very open and honest with us so i definitely appreciate all of that um and one of the things that also stood out to me was was him talking about the tfc young guns and a he is receiving more calls some of those rumors may be a little bit inflated but that being said, it's an exciting time for Toronto FC fans who have been dying to see a lot of their local talent come through the ranks. And now we're going to see them get an opportunity. I mean, some of us were, were dying for Greg Vanny to give them that opportunity last year. Um, but now we're going to see that come to fruition, hopefully, by the way that Bill's talked, by the way that Chris is talking, by the way sort of built this roster. So, um, yes, we would like to see some sort of MLS addition sometimes, but at the same time, a lot of that, that growth can come internally. And you, you think about Jaden Nelson getting another year older. You think about Ralph Preso getting another year older. Even Liam Frazier there in the midfield. And we haven't even mentioned Io Akinola and him getting another year older, the guy who scored the mm -hmm. most goals per 90 minutes in Major League Soccer last season. Um, so... Think about that, and then you think about the likelihood of, of Michael Bradley bouncing back, of Josie Altador bouncing back, of Pozuelo getting uh, acclimated again here in Toronto with his his teammates. And hey, it, it's it's exciting because TFC in the past, the past couple of years, they've been contenders, and like, as Bill said, that continuity is going to keep on going. So uh, look out for for some of these young guns next year, and hey, maybe it'll even be Jaquil Marshall Rudy. Yeah, yeah it was nice to see. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, as he also said, you know, it's it's all about that balance. And we've seen Toronto FC the past few years kind of go balance more towards the veteran guys, considering, you know, they were winning, obviously. <laughs> they had a, um, they, they were bringing in the trophies, so that made sense. But now I think, as he said, they're going to start balancing it more, bringing in more young guys, giving those opportunities. So that's very exciting. Jeff, yeah, go ahead. Is is playing the young guns like in the same school of fantasy, uh, preseason fantasy, as this year we're going to play attacking soccer and then it's just parking the bus for the rest of the season, right? Like, is that is that just like a list of the standard platitudes? Like, for sure we're going to play the young guns. For sure we're going to be on the front foot. And then it's Mourinho just parking the bus. Until well, yeah, I was going to say, we have Chris Armas as the head coach, yeah. not uh, Jose Mourinho. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we have to worry too much about that. Yeah. That's a very any, good point. Every sort of young gun that I've sort of spoken to so far has said that exact same thing as Chris Armas has had a history of developing young talent. Obviously, you know, Bill mentioned Tyler Adams there with, with New York Red Bulls. Uh, Chris won't take credit for that. He said Tyler Adams is sort of that player just because he's Tyler Adams. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris just sort of helped him along the way. Um, but hey, he has that track record. So we'll see if, if this translates now into Toronto. And if so, they're in a unique position. They're in a unique position because not only can they develop these young guns, but they could also contend for a title. Mm -hmm. And the ability to do both, that's how, you, that's how you're a successful franchise for years to come. Because as Bill said, you're going to have people that depart, whether that's staff, whether that's players, that's just the natural, that's, that's natural. Mm -hmm. But if you can fill those guys seamlessly, that's, that's where, that's where, you know, you become a real dynasty. And by all sounds of things, TFC is on that track. They're, they're out they're using their resources to ensure that they're on that track. And again, let, let's see, let's see this put into plan now. TFC is going to get compared to Ajax and everyone on in Toronto is going to call them Ajax and we're going to have to just correct people over and over again. Yeah, Michael and I were making the making the joke this week about uh, 
you know, casual TFC fans think they're playing Leon from France instead of <laughs> Leon from Mexico. So that fits in perfectly <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. With, with that conversation. Let's, let's finish up here though, by talking about mm-hmm. the men's national team. We touched on it a little earlier. Uh, I made Jeff stop touching on it because I wanted yeah, to, I was uh, ready to, I was ready to go. I know I wanted to, uh, make sure we got to Bill in, in good time. And I think this is a bit of a bigger discussion, especially since I promised friend of the show, Kristen Knowles, I would shout out their event tonight that they're doing with the Voyageurs. 8 p.m. Um, is it 8? Yeah, no, now I've... Okay. Yeah, no, that is correct. 8 p.m., Jeff. Yeah, you did a good job of your part of this ad read. Um, but <laughs> no, no. Uh, they're chatting with Janine, Becky, and Sam Piet as well, which would be exciting. And So and you know Mitch will be there. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, Mitch exactly. will be there front stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have my jersey tucked in and everything ready to go. Um, they're, they're chatting about the reorganization of the of the Voyageurs. So, it, it, you know, if, if you like us or interested in the growing supporting culture here in Canada, um, you're not going to want to miss that event. So head over to the Voyagers socials. They'll have all the details there for mm-hmm. uh, getting involved with that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the men's national team because they revealed their roster earlier today. Like Michael promised that article, I will have an article up on the site uh, further breaking this roster down. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did promise in writing. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing, obviously, Alfonso is going to be there. That's exciting. Laren's going to be there. Um, Atiba is going to be there coming with Laren. This is about as exciting a Canadian team, I think, as we could have expected considering the pandemic. And I think just shows, you know, that that they're very serious from from top to bottom about qualifying for this World Cup. Mm-hmm. I have Absolutely. a I have a great John Herdman quote here. Let me just pull it up quickly. Oh heck yeah! Uh, you're old I mean, enough, I, I I loaded <laughs> I loaded this I loaded this in, so we might as well use the picture for five there seconds. Yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Just this was back in February, and this was John Herman talking about the the World Cup qualifying and the team that they're going to send. So I'll quote it: um, "We want to ensure that our best players wear the red shirt and represent Canada because those players want to change the sport in our country by qualifying for the FIFA World Cup." There is a group of players that have been part of this battle for the past two years. They've been developing together on and off the pitch, and they will be narrators of what could be an amazing story for soccer in this country. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's some flowery <laughs> prose, Herdman. Wow. There you go. I'm, I'm invested. I, 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 I like the sample chapter. I'll buy the whole book. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. think that's sort of just a testament to where Canada soccer is heading. And I think John Herdman sees it. I think we all see it. And I think the players see it as well. As this is a real special opportunity to really make their case for qualifying for the World Cup because the players are now getting there. They're now getting to the right ages where they can make a difference now on the world stage. And it's, it's exciting times because like we're seeing in, in men's Olympic qualifying, Canada can hang with, with, you know, all of these CONCACAF teams. Now, can they, can they break through and we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> did you, yeah. uh, did you watch the game last night, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that, to be fair, that was a, that was a pretty even game. Um, let's, uh, I think the other takeaway for this show, of course, is that there's only two Toronto FC players that are going to be there, Richie Larea and Jaden Nelson, which I think we're all very excited about considering we're all pretty high on his ability and what he can do. Um, you know, obviously we talked about Oso not going a little bit there. Liam Frazier not going to be there. I, I think at large, it, it, this this group reads to me like a group of players who are in form and playing games, right? That's why you have a guy like okay. David Wotherspoon there who's been playing week in, week out in SPL winning trophies as well 
Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to him um, for for what he's doing with St. Johnston. But you know, I, I think it just makes sense, right? You especially right now when you have a pandemic and you have these guys who've been you know sitting around for the last what fourteen days or so. I guess not quite fourteen, but sitting around for a couple of weeks, not being able to train because of the pandemic. It just makes more sense to bring in guys who've been playing week in week out and who are in form. So I, I think that that kind Atiba. of Tiba. A Tiba Laren combination. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. I mean, here we go. I mean, Say there's less. just so much to get excited about with with this Canadian side. Do we know what's the deal with Scott Arfield and that noise? Uh, they <laughs> that that the noise was believe... my garage door. <laughs> uh, uh. I, I believe the Rangers said uh, a couple weeks ago that they were going to keep Arfield. I think just because it's an important time in their schedule. Um, so I think that's probably the reason our field isn't there. I'm I'm not certain on that, um, okay. but I think that's what I read. Um, so I want to get not, back and yeah. Ahead, so it's ahead. not it's not that he'll never put on a Canada shirt again, which was a rumor that was going around for a little while. Nobody's I, I heard. Don't believe okay. that's the case. Okay, um, but I'm I'm not too sure. I think Miss Mitch would probably be better to answer that one. Um, any answer, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I I don't think that's the case. You know, I think. I think right now, obviously, like he was focused on winning the title with Rangers. He was able to do that. He's just coming back from injury as well, um, which is another another standpoint. So um, I'd, I'd fully expect to see him in the summer. I'm not too okay. too concerned about his future availability. And I mean, you know, as much as Scott Arfield is a great player, we're at a place here where with Ustakio, if you have yeah, a team back yeah. in the picture... This is, I said it on Twitter, this is the deepest Canada's midfield's been since Prime de Guzman and, and Dero and, and yeah, Young Atiba yeah. were running around and, and staying on side. Um, so, <laughs> so I, think, I, think, I think obviously we've got, uh, we've got a lot to be you know, excited about and, and the absences while you know, between David, our field, they, they are big. They're not nearly as big as they would have been in past years. That's the thing, right? Is how yeah, much more yeah. depth does this team have nowadays? And it's the, we. This isn't like we can take Tejan Buchanan too and put him on this roster yeah. seamlessly too, right? There are other players that are not here that can easily crack this squad and, and make a difference. So, hey, if if Canada somehow you know find a way to to push past this first group, I'm excited to see what that second that second group of. of that roster looks like because I think it'll be even stronger because more players will be even more intrigued and, and kind of desperate to get out there. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I want to give a, a shout out again to Jaden Nelson for cracking that roster as an 18 year old. He is mm-hmm. he and, and Theo Corbin, who plays obviously for Wolverhampton in, in Europe. He's they're the only 18 year olds on that roster. So I think that shows just how highly people rate Jaden Nelson and how highly this this Canadian team thinks of Jaden Nelson, the 2019 Canadian Youth Player of the Year. The 2020 Canadian Youth Player of the Year was was Tejan Buchanan. So, I mean, we see what he's doing, and and, and I'm excited to see what Jaden Nelson will do now on this stage. I, I've listened to Mitch talk about Eustachio for so long that I'm just – I can't wait. I can't wait to see some, some Eustachio because, uh, you know, his dubstep highlight reels are pretty, pretty terrific. So I'm looking forward to – to see in some of that action. Um, garage door. <laughs> I don't know what's going on down there. Maybe I should, maybe we should wrap things up so I can go check that out. Um, yeah. Canada, the mission to qualify for 2022. Uh, that does start this week. Just running through my nose right now. Thursday against Bermuda. They'll also play Sunday against the Cayman Island. Both those matches expected to take place in Florida. 
more games for the Olympic qualifiers as well. Thursday, they wrap things up against Honduras. Um, and then, of course, on Sunday, that's the big game. Hopefully, Canada can get to it where they'll play for their Olympic lives, essentially. So we'll mm-hmm. see. By, by this time next week, we will have a whole lot more to talk about Canadian soccer-wise. We'll know whether they're at the Olympics or not. Um, we'll have a you know pretty solid indication of what the men's national team is looking like. So, you know, it was obviously, as always, a lot to look forward to on the show. Yeah, two games yeah. Thursday um, with the Olympic qualifying and the World Cup qualifying, and then I think you have that that last Olympic or World Cup qualifying match on the 29th, which is four and, days after. And all the TFC preseason streams that we're gonna have to terrorize and, Eric. Eric. Yeah, <laughs> all those TFC preseason streams that we're gonna have to terrorize Eric about. Um, a couple more things I think before we close off. Sure. Um, I want to get Ali Curtis's uh, multi-year extension in here. Um, of course, news broke, uh, I guess, last week that Ali Curtis re up with TFC for a multi-year extension. Um, safe to say that it was a polarizing uh, announcement for... I don't know why. ...from the Toronto FC fan base. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, what was your take on that? I mean, I... He... Once again, it's this, it's, you know, it's my frustration with this whole bird in the hand is useless and and what's that in the bush kind of situation. And this like this lofty impression of, of, of what, how many GMs are available and, 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 and they would be better. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's a bit of rose colored glasses, historical perspective, right? People have now put Bez on a pedestal and, you know, we remember only the good things and we forget you know, the Agra Keches and the Gregory Vanderbilt. So, so, you know, I, I, I take all of that criticism with a grain of salt. Uh, uh, you know, I am firmly on team bill with respect to continuity and organization is a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got, he's got the keys to the car a bit longer, right? Like it's only been a couple months since we firmly established that this is now the Ali Curtis bill Manning era in TFC. So to, to cut that, to cut the head off the snake at, you know, this early into the process would be, would be pretty insane. Um, you know, I, I, what, I, 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 mm, sorry, go ahead. What has he done that was so terrible? Uh, did he, he's not like, sure. He's not hitting, hitting it out of the park with some of the signings that he's made, but at the same time, it, it does take a lot for a general manager to believe in their squad and to not make changes sometimes and perhaps that's the true value in Ali Curtis is that he believes in some of the young guns that are coming through like his vision seems to align now with Bill Mannings um, and they seem to be on the same page and you bring Chris Armas into that that mix someone who's known for playing their young guns and I think now we're going to start seeing what as you said Jeff we're now going to start seeing what Ali Curtis's team is another point to make is do you want a general manager entering the final year of their contract managing the long-term success of your team no <laughs> like no nope. that's that's a tough I ask yeah and, i don't know where you're at on uh f1 race to succeed yet mitch but the sebastian Vettel <laughs> episode is uh is, <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty good segue uh uh yeah i mean listen if we if we had signed bore or Messi the day before uh they announced ali's uh uh re-up i don't think there would have been any complaints i think it's just a, mm-hmm. a, a measure of uh, a projection from fans that are upset that they don't have a shiny new toy uh, you know, and, with announcements that, that, you know, it's just more of the same at TFC, right? So. And that's the thing. We as we as fans, we can judge Ali Curtis based off the work that we see from a distance, from afar. We can mm-hmm. see it in, in the roster, the signings that he makes, the signings he doesn't make. But 
the, the gold that perhaps is Ali Curtis is everything behind the scenes. And just from talking to a few of the people, just from talking to Ali himself, is that he's a leader not only in TFC, not only to TFC players, staff, everyone look up to Ali Curtis. He's a leader throughout Major League Soccer. He's on uh, him and Justin Morrow are on the, the diversity committee throughout MLS. Um, Ali Curtis is to tell him he's been pushing for change within MLS. He, he's in conversations with, you know, the MLS front office. He's he's in all of those conversations. And again, like we, we can't really judge him fairly based on on X, Y, and Z because we don't know the rest of the alphabet. That's I mean, I, I, I just, I, I find it funny when people are like, yeah, but Ali doesn't have the mastery of the intricacies of MLS, you know, rules like Bez did when Ali probably wrote those rules <laughs> yeah. when he worked at the league office. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, and not only that, we can't judge him based on that because we don't even know the rules. We can't see TFC's <laughs> books. How can you judge Ali Curtis based on the salary cap if you can't even see TFC's mm-hmm. salary cap? True like, enough. They're, True enough. Yeah. It's, it's, I get it. It's like fun to speculate. It's fun well, to speculate. Yeah. What yeah. I will say is optically, right? Like the, the only thing here is is optically it does look a little funny when, you know, all, all season or all off season Toronto FC fans have been expecting this big signing. And then the big <laughs> signing is the guy who's supposed <laughs> to be making that big signing yeah, 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 yeah. for a bunch of years. So like that, that I can understand like optically. Um, I also think Curtis has unfairly been attributed to Javinko's exit. Like that was his mm-hmm. first, that was kind of the start of Ali Curtis era, right? Was Javinko was on his way out and like, Everything that was such a fun. That was such a fun couple of weeks. (laughs) That was uh, yeah. That was not not very helpful for for, you know. (laughs) Even if he literally probably had almost nothing to do with that, that's you know not the most helpful start for someone to to see a club legend leave like that. But I think you know, given what he's done ever since, um, you know, ten out of ten. First off, with how he replaced Javinko with another league MVP. I I mean, you almost can't do better than that in terms of the replacement so you can't you can't yeah, do yeah, that. yeah fair enough no. yeah, no, you yeah. Can't. well you, you, can't. you could have had an mls cup mvp but um oh. <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one thing you could have done but yeah no i think i, I think Conky-Calf golden boot my friend yeah, there you golden go there you go <laughs> yeah um, there's no there's no alejandro pozuelo if javinko doesn't depart so fans still holding on to that i mean Right. At this point, get over it. <laughs> okay, let's let's. I mean, this is a perfect segue. Have we all seen the Victor Vasquez uh, "Welcome to LA Galaxy" video? That's that's yeah. That's social media. That's PR. That's the Galaxy best, holding a gun to his head, telling him to in, do it. <laughs> best team in MLS, huh? Huh, Victor? <laughs> yeah, best I think team in MLS. I think if you ask Victor off the record, I don't know if he'll tell you that same same answer. If you're holding a the social media team's holding a camera to his face, I think he, he's kind of forced there to say that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, it was very similar to his outgoing TFC video in that he had one facial expression and never blinked. So maybe maybe he was oh. under duress. We don't know, but I remember uh, Angel Di Maria when he signed for Manchester United, and it came mm. out. I think a year later after he departed, he said that he said that the social media they told me made him tell say that Manchester this so and so Manchester United is the greatest club in the world. I can't wait. Like <laughs> whatever he said, and yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. it was from the the PR team that made him say that. So, okay. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't read too far into that. Uh, Victor Vasquez obviously representing LA Galaxy. What's he going to say? I can't wait to represent the second greatest team in the league. <laughs> yes, he's supposed <laughs> to say that exactly. I'm going to watch the video again. Make sure that he doesn't have his fingers crossed behind his behind his back while he's delivering the the best team in MLS line that that was 
pretty infuriating. But <laughs> well, they yeah, made Alexis yeah. Sanchez play the piano, so that uh, that it could have been worse. It could have been worse from the, uh, <laughs> from the social teams there. But let, let's wrap the show up now. I, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. Um, Wait, one more, oh, one awesome. more. I okay, know, right, I know, we're going right. really long. But, right. but who cares? Only, I mean, only, just, yeah. only because only because Bill Manning pointed this out, and he said that Jordan Peruza was going under the radar, flying under the radar. And funny enough, is right before the show, is I added Jordan Peruza to our show notes because I actually asked Chris Armis randomly about Jordan Peruza yesterday, and Armis said that he, when he first started, Jordan Peruza picked up a little bit of a quad injury, so now he's really starting to get going. And he said he looks like he's some he looks like some he has something to prove. And he said that Jordan Pruz is that that classic number nine. He doesn't need a lot to finish within the box. And that sort of lines up with what Iowakanola said about Jordan last year. And that was Jordan's tenacious. Tenacity is the word that Iowakanola quickly used to describe Jordan Peruza. So when you think about Chris Armis' style of play. And then you add in that that tenacity and TFC needing goals. Maybe Jordan Peruza could be an answer to, to some of those problems early on. And that's what Chris Armas even, even said is that we'll see how they can use him and and you know, given the best opportunity, I guess, to sort of succeed. I think we're not gonna see him obviously start or anything, but I I do believe that Jordan Peruza could play a role for this Toronto FC team sooner rather than later. Um, I'm excited to see where that goes and Jordan Peruza as a number nine, he as a nineteen-year-old. I mean, we saw what he did in the past. He used to just banging goals. We saw what he did at the USL last season, where he scored two screamers that screamers. were absolute top shelf. Um, so, hey, maybe Jordan Peruza is that answer. Single tier for my boy Patrick Mullins. He seems to be <laughs> dropping down the death chart like uh, <laughs> like a Led Zeppelin. But well, uh, our, uh, yeah. Mullins is still mentioned there by Armas. I think Mullins is still ahead of Peruza, but. Mm-hmm. That being said, TFC's only sign in this offseason was Jordan Peruza. So he is the only new face on this roster. So perhaps TFC fans will, you know, their heads will be turned a little bit when they see Peruza enter the field. Guys, uh, well, uh, Alan Gorman, celebrity celebrity gentleman fan Alan Gorman had nice things to say. He's been tossing zingers in the comments. I got to put at least one up. And it's, and it's at Mitch's expense. So this episode is super tight, just like Mitchell's polo. For our listeners not watching... Uh, imagine body paint, and you're sort of close there. Yeah, whenever there's a chance, baby. we can take a take a jab at right? John <laughs> John Herman, the, the school of John Herman's medium fashion. There we go. All right. Well, let's wrap up here by talking about Canada's game against Honduras. No, I'm just kidding, Sophia. We'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode, though. Um, Holy really man. awesome to get Bill Manning's thoughts on on the club where it's going. Uh, in the short term and long term, um, you know, obviously so thankful for him being that gracious with his time. Thanks to Kevin and Sophia for bearing with us and all their support and work in the background. If you're you're new to the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or whatever you get your podcast. Give us a rating and review. Uh, it really all helps out and adds up. On behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh, enjoy this massive week for Canadian soccer. And until next Tuesday. Let's go. 